0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Spore the Warning Podcast. This is review number 611 with our review of The King of Staten Island. I'm Christopher Schnasey. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we already had a review in the feeds of The Five Bloods, so uh, if you're interested in that, check that one out. Um, and now we're talking about a different film, um, a little bit lighter subject matter, well, yeah, but there's some emotional beats in there, too. I don't want to discount it completely. Sure. Um, yeah. You got 10 dabs. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we're talking about The King of Satin Line Island, so... Uh, To start this episode off, Stephen, are you concerned that in all these movies, people are just giving their children to Pete Davidson?
1: (laughs) A little bit, yeah. I think it's a real problem and we need to look into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it definitely, he's definitely having a moment right now of being the bad influence on kids. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think that's starting to be his brand.
0: Um, yeah, so I, I just, I I thought it was funny that there are a lot of parallels that I'm sure we're going to get into between this and big time adolescence. Um, this, this almost feels like it could be the direct sequel to that film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, I I can never see the other dad in that other movie as a fireman. So (laughs) yeah. Hey, I mean,
1: both, both movies have a lot of similarities. You got Pete Davidson being a bad influence on younger kids. You have a major character from American Vandal showing up. Um, (laughs) That's right. Probably other things. (laughs) I guess those are actually the only two I can think of.
0: Yeah, there's definitely probably more though. (laughs) (laughs) There's Pete Davidson. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I just, I wanted to get that off my chest before we started the review because um, it's just, it's just funny that anybody would look at him and go like, why don't you walk my little child to school? (laughs)
1: <laughs> i, I want to get one other thing off my chest did you recognize that guy who plays a friend in this movie who's kind of like a shifty white dude did you like, like have trouble pinpointing where you'd seen him before the short guy no not the short one i knew him that that's moises from manos and kings of summer but yeah, yeah the the other the dude who's just kind of like the awkward kind of ringleader of the group oh yeah yeah. he's ricky velez who we saw at the comedy cellar
0: (laughs) oh (laughs) dang (laughs) yeah that's why i recognized him (laughs) nice yep cool um well steven what do you say we transition into this review of the king of staten island let's do it seamless transition we're gonna take a listen to the trailer for this film and then we're gonna come back and give you guys a review I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh,
1: that's uh the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago.
0: Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Don't
1: be, it's fine. Knock
0: knock. Who's there? Not your dad. <laughs> You
1: can't focus on Scott anymore honey he's 24 years old Marjorie let that fucking bird fly please
0: don't worry mom
1: I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us but I'm still here I'm gonna
0: be here forever yeah people told me slow I want to become a real tattoo artist your work is mad and consistent Obama ain't right oh I love your tattoos this is my favorite <laughs> I've been dating someone for a little while now.
1: The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're going to have to pull your weight a little more around here.
0: Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you can tell me. I'm okay.
1: Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break. You ever think about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with being a fireman? It's fine if you don't have kids, because you don't know if you're going to come home or not, and then your kids are fucked up. You make everyone around you feel crazy. People are normal, then they hang out with you, and then they're fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining or something. i got to tell my mom you tried to drown me. To the buff ground pool, you're, like, fucking eight feet tall. Now, let me tell you something. Your dad was a hero, and heroes are necessary, and they should be allowed to have families. together. Time is passing by very quickly. Why do you think I smoke weed all the time? So I could slow it down.
0: I just feel like everybody's always
1: disappointed in me and I never live up to anybody's expectations. Hey, thanks for listening to all this. You're one of the few people who treat me, you know, like a person. You're welcome.
0: All right, so that was the trailer for The King of Staten Island. Um, It is about a youngish man um, played by Pete Davidson whose father died in a fire. He was a fireman. Um, He died in a crazy hotel fire. And uh, he's sort of spent uh, the rest of his days since that time not necessarily amounting to anything, um, um, kind of just being a deadbeat. And uh, this is him dealing with his mom trying to get back out on the market, and uh, he's dealing with a lot of different things. Um, so, <laughs> Stephen Miller, what did you think of The King of Staten Island?
1: So, first, I was going to say Davidson is playing a really young man because he's supposed to be 24 in the movie, but I googled and The real Pete Davidson is only 26 right now, so he <laughs> he's way younger than I thought he was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so, th- I definitely like pete davidson i think i've learned that now uh big time adolescence really convinced me of it and this movie definitely helped to build it he he's funny he plays this character very well he has this this shrugging way of handling situations that ought to be offensive or embarrassing to him and he just kind of like rolls with it that he he's the guy who just will make a joke about anything and move on um and like Dead Dad comedy is is funny. It's actually a genre. <laughs> like, there's tons of comedians I love, especially like podcast hosts who will flippantly reference like people in the Dead Dad Club and how that fucks you up. And like, the, the, like I, I like that kind of the bonding about the, how do you get over your shit, right? How how do you get over the stuff that you grew up with that haunts you? Um, I think there's a lot to enjoy about this movie. Like the the cast is great you know it's a judd apatow movie so you can pull pretty much everyone and it definitely shows uh it has some pretty good funny moments and it has the heart but i feel like the limits of the judd apatow storytelling model are starting to show for me with this movie and i think it's because there's not they didn't really go the laugh out loud funny route here which is i'm all for that like i'm you know you know me most of the movies i love are sad as fuck like i'm definitely not a guy who's like why couldn't they make it more funny but this just really makes it kind of clear to me that when you don't have the laughs all judd apatow movies no matter how personal they are seem like they're telling the exact same story of there's a guy who's a fuck up he's in a stunted adolescence type situation he alienates everyone around him they keep trying to fix him eventually he hits a bottom something clicks He's fixed. Everyone's proud of him, right? Happens over and over and over again. Like, you know, you name the Aptown movie and that's basically like the arc they're going to trace is the guy's a fuck up. He starts to go downhill. There's some long drug scene in the middle showing how like heavily he parties. And then in the end, something shakes him out of his rut. Um, And this time they double down by giving me two guys who are fuck ups (laughs) and uh, (laughs) asking me to want to enjoy seeing both of them Slowly <laughs> find themselves at the end while Marissa Tomei just kind of waits to be proud of them. And
0: it, I don't You're like, including uh, Bill Burr.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Bill Burr and Pete Davidson are basically the movie, very much wants us to see them as two sides of the same coin yeah, or like yeah. two versions of the kind of stunted adolescence and what people do when they don't know how to properly take responsibility and handle their feelings. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, for some reason. Like, I love the the personal element of this movie. Like, Pete Davidson's dad died, I believe, in September 11th. And he's, yeah, yeah. he's referenced in the credits of this movie. And you can tell this is coming from a personal place. But I, I feel like the way it tries to show the, the big moments, the arc of redemption, the this is where I learned to let go and become a better person and bond with other people, they they just didn't really work for me very well here. Like nothing stuck. And I don't know if I were to watch like Knocked Up now, if I would feel the same way, if maybe I'm just like in another era (laughs) than, than I was at the time. But for some reason, I I feel like I could really see the strings being pulled here. And they rarely worked for me. When it wasn't trying to pull strings, I like the vibe that this lives in. You know, like big-time adolescence. I like the the portrait of uh, Staten Island. Um, I like pretty much everything with Belle Powley, his girlfriend, in this movie. I feel like she is just great. Hey, they're at, not girlfriends. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, they're not going to put a label on it. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, I, I love just all the details. I like his tattoo work. You know, plenty of good laughs here. There's...
0: <laughs> You like the existence of his tattoo work, not his actual oh, tattoo <laughs> work.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the the comedy of his tattoo work. Um, yeah. There, there's an inciting event in this movie involving a tattoo, which I found just hilarious <laughs> that, that they were actually <laughs> going for it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There, there were just other things where I it, it felt very synthetic to me, and. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just my mood this weekend. Maybe the at home effect had something to do with it. But I, I just kind of felt like if you're gonna spend north of two hours telling me the story, like g- give me more laughs or mine something deeper in the personal trajectory. And I kind of feel like this movie decided to go for the relatively safe, safe journey of acceptance. And for some reason, it just kind of like out outstayed its welcome a little bit for me. So, like, it was fine. Totally fine Judd Apatow movie. I just think I'm maybe getting tired of the thing that Judd Apatow does.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you said this movie outstays its welcome. This movie is two hours and 16 minutes long, um, which is crazy for for the story that this film is telling. Um, I think, you know, well, I, we talked about it in our episode about big-time adolescence and about how, like, I'm not too familiar with... Pete Davidson's work other than um, we saw him live at at Clusterfest um, when he came to the city and I've I've seen him on SNL but I feel like most of his roles on SNL is the guy who goes huh or okay um, as a reaction to anything that's happening no matter how ridiculous it is um so i haven't really seen him kind of spread his wings and fly a little bit and i was so pleasantly surprised by big time adolescence like that was a film that like from the very very beginning had a lot of heart and warmth and and a really interesting journey the character was going on and the relationship between him and his like younger um quote adopted like little buddy um um, that he goes to that film and like the ebbs and flows of that really hit me, and there was a lot of emotional beats that made me go like, "This is a surprisingly good film, um yeah, so by the time I got down to watch the King of Saturn Island, I was like, "I'm ready for round two, let's do this, <laughs> you know, like I really wanted to see what it can do, and Pete Davidson is still that guy he was in big time adolescent like he he has th- th- he has a style to him that is interesting and I think it's watchable and I will I yeah. will enjoy his moment-to-moment experience of what he's giving to the camera um over that journey. Um, um so so that was still here in this film. But I think that this story is so muddy, it's so overcomplicated, it's trying to do so much like you can have the how does a kid deal with not having a dad anymore you can do the how does the kid deal with his mom dating again when you multiply those by each other they start to cancel each other out in certain sections i don't know how math works but uh Mm -hmm. hopefully this analogy makes sense um and and i think that like you have that you have like the friend group you have like this how how do i learn to commit with a girl sort of situation and it, it so much stuff is happening and this film is so long that you can't flow from that. There's no cadence. You can't just flow from story beat to story beat. It's like, oh, now we're doing the girlfriend story. Okay. Now we're doing the mom story. Okay. Now we're doing the mom's new boyfriend story. Okay. Now we're doing the I don't have a job story. And like, you're watching this beat to beat change and it feels like a bunch of, it, honestly, it feels like, um, uh, like somebody bought like an improv toolkit And it's like, they're just pulling out scenes. They're like, all right, it's a fight club for your tips. (laughs) And like, now that's a scene that we have to see three times in this movie. Um, And it doesn't do anything different any of the three times. Like literally the outcome is the same every time. It's just like, oh, now we're in the fight for tips scene. Um, and, And there's a bunch of things where it's like people going like, this will work as a comedy beat, but it doesn't actually apply to the story. It's just like a thing that they threw in to kind of like, pad the the runtime of the film, which isn't necessary because it's already so long and I, and I think that overall i just i couldn't care through most of the film and then at the end, when you actually get these like little mini gut punches that start to happen towards the end where you have beats where you know Pete Davidson gets to learn things and hear stories about his dad um from back when he was alive, and you get to have people genuinely caring about each other and bonding like I feel the heartstrings and then I go, but fuck you, you didn't earn this. Like you're just doing the thing that causes heartstrings and I know you're doing it and I'm feeling it cause I'm a fucking idiot, but you didn't plot a trajectory to this point. You just said, it's been an hour and 45 minutes time for heartstrings. And I, I felt, yeah. I felt annoyed that I was getting emotional towards the end of this film because I didn't feel like that was a journey we were on. And then, you know, you, you've talked, you talked about the, the Judd Apatow, uh plot mechanics i feel like he chopped the movie off before the end of the judd apatow plot mechanic finally set in there is not a scene where everybody's like go pete davidson yeah he takes one step in the right direction and we don't even know if he fixes it right he for all we know he he leaves the building he's in goes and gets a sandwich and then some guy's there and he's like hey you got weed and then he goes and smokes that weed and then He's backward he, like you know we have we have yeah, no, forgets what he was doing, <laughs> yeah, like we have no real belief that anything is different five minutes previous to that scene, and five minutes after that scene, right so i i feel i just <sighs> I felt this film was a big disappointment for me, um, and while I was like carried along by watching pete i I just didn't the film itself felt below what it could have been
1: yeah no no i i feel you and i think i was trying to put my finger on why the moments when he is learning about his dad and bonding felt so manipulative without feeling earned and i I don't know that it's because the movie hasn't justified it. Like, we know that he is screwed up because of the death of his dad. And I imagine if it's like the real Pete Davidson, the way that manifested was not crying about his dad or talking about him all the time. It was getting this kind of shell up of I don't care about anything. The The problem for me is, like, if you want to make me dig behind the I don't care about anything and get the root of that hardness you got to do more work than this. Like, I feel like this movie, it wants it to be shorthand. And it it kind of fluctuates from Pete is just being Pete, his own, his affable self, who is like just unshakable. And that the fact that he is resigned to just do dumb things for no reason, that is meant to tell us that like his life has gone off the rails. But then you have like, Martha Tomei basically just saying his problems at him and other people telling him all the things that are wrong with him. And those just combine to feel like filmmaking, that like you know what the story is, but you haven't figured out how to show me it. So you're just kind of like throwing different ideas at the wall and hoping they're going to combine to paint a picture of a person. And it, it didn't really work for me. Like, I, I love his character. Like... Much like big time adolescence, he is so chill about things like, in this case, his mom getting laid. <laughs> um, like, like I, I, it, it's funny the way he handles stuff. I, I had a few good laugh out loud moments here, but they're, yeah, I don't know. There, there's just something about it where it it does the portrait of the fuck ups really well. Like, I like him and his crew, Moises, like like you pointed out, and Ricky vallez um Lou, Lou Wilson, too. I like the the firefighters who show up, our fun cast. Wire guy, obviously, is there. Dominique Lombardozzi, I told you, everyone is in The Wire now. Um, Steve Buscemi is there, too. So you had the whole... All the HBO people show up for this movie. <laughs> um, even Pamela Adlon is there, too. And I, I liked the little bit that we got of her and the snapshot into her life. But I don't know. It, it just felt like a ton of half ideas and no one thread that it was willing to really follow through on and that kind of bothered me like there are everything here could be promising like bill burr could be a totally promising character you know i I like his energy he's he's a funny guy you throw enough comedians in a movie and you're gonna have something kind of click but i don't really know who he is by the end of this movie or at least the the version of him that is there at the end seems completely disconnected from the version that I saw in the middle of the movie. And that's true for pretty much everyone is they are they're one way until the moment they're not. Marissa Tomei is one way with Pete Davidson until the exact moment the script wants her not to be and then she's just not until the moment at the end that it wants her to be that way again. And it yeah, I don't know. It it just feels like the the plot mechanics are too too obvious for this movie even though I like the world that it lives in. And if it weren't for big-time adolescence, I would maybe boost it a little higher just because of getting to see that world be portrayed this way. But yeah, I'm kind of surprised we're in the same boat. I thought you would like it more than me. I thought I was going to be the one that is uh, (laughs) being the negative Nancy tonight. (laughs)
0: There's there's also one other thing that really bothered me because it's talked about so much in this film and the film does nothing with it. You kind of hinted at enjoying part of it um so uh, i'll give you the opportunity to explain what i missed with it um and then i'm going to tie it back in a weird way loosely to the last film that we reviewed Duffy bloods um but we have we have we reviewed in the past and we referenced it last time because there's a character overlap we talked about the last black man in san francisco and how that you know like there's there's an important line which you have brought up on several other episodes at the end of that film about how um you can't hate a city unless you love it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this film involves a character talking about wanting to go um, into social services or something because she loves Staten Island and um, she thinks it's an amazing place and she wants to bring out all the great things about it. And it's like, it's talked about it as though this film, which is called The King of Staten Island, is a love letter to Staten Island. And I think this film does fuck all to tell me why I should care about Staten Island. And it doesn't make me like, maybe I just don't know enough at all about Staten Island to understand how much of it was really being shown to me. But I feel like that outside of the non-girlfriend girlfriend girlfriend character constantly saying how great it is. I did not understand why she loved the city or why I should care about it.
1: Yeah. I I don't think the movie gives you a reason to love it so much as it it paints a particular type of character, only the deadbeats, by the way. <laughs> like I'm sure there are other things that define Staten Island, but this for sure seems to define it by the kind of deadbeat mostly white dudes. Um <laughs> I think it helped that I had just watched the Sopranos, so I'm already in the kind of like tri tri state area mindset. So I, I think I brought a lot to that to be to be honest with a hey,
0: tone. Hey Tone. T-
1: like like just comparing this to that jersey or the New York City that I've seen in every other movie, like the the comparison made it interesting. But no, I I don't think of it as a love letter to the place, but it is a it's a representation of the let's sit around and chill, you know. Let let's play basketball in an abandoned lot. Let's show like the kind of hokey restaurants and stores, and then let we'll like. We'll fixate on the ferry a little bit and hint at like the city being right there and how it would feel to like have all of that in front of you, but then go back to this. Like, it it didn't paint that much a picture, but I liked I liked what I saw.
0: <laughs> all right. I don't want to live there though. God <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if you did, then you could open up that tattoo restaurant. <laughs> yep, yeah, that that's true. Now was his thing. The idea was that you would eat food while other people were being tattooed, right? Not you would go there and get like a steak and a tattoo, right? Yeah, yeah. You watch other people suffer. You don't suffer yourself. (laughs) That's the other thing too is like his tattoos are terrible, right? (laughs) Like there are some that are emotionally nice, but their quality still isn't that great. But he, he draws the cartoon character at one point, which is... Pretty decent, right? It's got some shading and some highlighting, and oh yeah, you, you know, like I don't know if it's going to be the best thing in your portfolio if you're trying to get a job <laughs> as a like an illustrator or something. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's like that's pretty good, right? Like Marissa Tomei just wants to support him and his idea for a tattoo restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I think Bill Burr's response was the best, right? He's just like, <laughs> he's like, no, who wants to see that shit while you're eating? <laughs> Yeah, it's a terrible idea. Um, but it's just, it's just weird that, like, they don't go anywhere with, like... You'd think that would be part of his redemption, especially in this Judd Apatow arc that you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. is like, like, look, you'll never be able to do tattoos, but you can draw pretty well and... Whatever, like, turn it into a thing where he illustrates some comic for that kid and then he now he has a real job and he's like, oh, shit, this is what it's like to be an adult. Um, I don't know, it just seemed yeah. seemed like weird that they were like building this arc but it was really just a way for you to make fun of the fact that he does shitty tattoos
1: yeah i think the the fact that this is clearly autobiographical filled in that blank for me i mean not obviously they substituted comedy for tattoo artistry but like the tattoos are also at least partly funny like supposed to make people laugh you know very uh Ingenious uses of the belly button, for instance, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and and so with that, I feel like the shorthand of the hint of him applying himself and then the symbolic meaning of taking the ferry and showing up in Manhattan and having to figure out what to do, I fill in the blanks there of the the comedian life starting you know I've harnessed my past, and now I'm going to go out and carve something new with my personality. And for me, that part was okay. It 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 didn't wasn't amazing, but I felt like it, it showed me enough to get there. And honestly, I think if he became amazing at art at the end, it would have annoyed me more. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I at least liked that he mostly stayed a fuck up.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I do have a random thought that I that I had just like during this recording, as I was thinking back to watching Pete Davidson in this film. I have I have a crazy crazy idea, crazy idea. Um you can tell me I'm stupid, but I feel like based on some of the mannerisms, I'm thinking like Pete Davidson like throwing his phone in the air and trying to run as cops appear at a certain point in this film. Um I think hear me out here. I think when they eventually decide they're going to reboot Ace Ventura, I think Pete, Pete Davidson could maybe pull it off. I think he has like the the lanky physicality, and he could he could maybe mm. pull off an Ace Ventura.
1: Interesting. I he has the physicality, but I don't think he has the energy. So it would be a different Ace Ventura for sure. <laughs> that, that is true. Like nature nature texts. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say, I feel like his delivery in this movie, and I'm sure I've never Googled this, so I'm sure people have said this about his comedy. He gives me some Seinfeld vibes, to be honest, when he's like making certain observations and talking about stuff. He has that kind of like, I'm kind of an asshole who doesn't care about anyone uh, <laughs> vibe. But I, I definitely got like young Jerry Seinfeld in an era that would no longer really like Jerry that much. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to mention, though, that in keeping with Judd Apatow tradition, his daughter shows up in this movie. Did you recognize her? I I did not. (laughs) Uh, See, Maude Apatow plays Pete's sister, which means Hmm. she has somehow gone from being an adorable little girl when I was a teenager to now being 100 years old. (laughs) Which is (laughs) tough for me to grapple with. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, she was good. I was. It, it, this is the one time where I feel like it, it. doesn't feel like shameless that the director is putting his daughter in a movie. I feel. I feel like she earned that role. <laughs> She's put up with his
0: other movies, so. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, well, what do you say, Stephen? We get to verdicts for this film. Sure. All right. Uh, if you're gonna miss a, a must-see, reckon with the caveat. Wait for it until it past the caveat or a must-avoid. What would you give it?
1: I'm giving this a rental. I had a perfectly fun time through most of it, though, admittedly when the movie ended and my friend asked how it was, I realized like, I didn't really know how to describe it. Um, <laughs> like it, I, I like the characters. I like the vibes. I, I dig the Pete Davidson aesthetic and it has been a while since a Judd Apatow, even longer since a Judd Apatow movie I liked. Um And I won't, go so far as to say I liked this movie, but I definitely found it like... If this movie were an hour and 45 minutes, I think it would be a completely perfectly like, hey, yeah, go check it out. You know, you'll have a good time. Don't worry <laughs> about it. The The length makes it a little bit tougher, but I still feel like it's a good way to kill time. It, it's a perfectly fine rental. It just doesn't... It doesn't reach the heights of the Apatow aesthetic. And... Uh, That maybe is because it isn't funny enough, and the humor can kind of cover a multitude of shitty plot devices, usually. Um, But but then it also just, it's trying to do too much, and the mechanics are all so obvious. It's like, give me the redemption, give me the thing he's going to be good at. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't add up to that much. So just a rental, which is a shame, because I gave Big Time Adolescence a must-see, and I regret nothing. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I'm going to give it a rental as well, but I am going to give the rental a caveat, which is wait until it's not $20. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't need to pay $20 for this.
0: For some reason, I thought this was a Hulu film and then Mm. it wasn't on Hulu. So I was like, wait, do I have to pay for this movie? And then I searched and I was like, oh, I just have to pay $20 to see this movie. All right. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It, it was funny, though, like you mentioning being asked if you liked it, not knowing what to say. My girlfriend asked me afterwards what I thought of it. And I was like, uh, yeah, I just didn't really care for it. And she's like, really? You were laughing like all over the place. And I was like, yeah, it's two hours and 15 minutes long. <laughs> like there's going to be yeah. jokes that make me laugh over that duration of time.
1: <laughs> yeah, like there's stuff. I, I just remembered he works in a restaurant in this movie. there were multiple scenes that made me laugh in that. But I just completely lost it afterwards because it it doesn't add up to very much
0: yeah yeah cool uh well that is going to bring us to the end of our review of the king of staten island Stephen miller people want to find it throughout the week where can they do that people can find me at twitter.com sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show if you want to subscribe to the show you can do so on overcast stitcher apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found if you want to know the episodes go live you can follow us at twitter.com spoiler warning or facebook.com slash the warning or instagram.com slash the warning if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at the warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to the king of staten island so hopefully you are enjoying that that is it for this week as usual haven't looked up what comes up next week yet so we'll be back next week with another review or two or four i don't know (laughs) yeah we'll see we'll see you then bye bye